Hello, and welcome to the Anxiety Rx podcast, a show created by an anxiety specialist and neuroscientist, me, that offers unique, practical, and actionable advice to help you understand what anxiety truly is and exactly what you can do to empower yourself to resolve it. I'm your host, Dr. Russell Kennedy, an MD who suffered with crippling anxiety for 30-plus years, and traditional therapy from psychiatrists and psychologists really didn't help me feel better. And I also didn't like being on psych meds. In 2013, after burning out and leaving medical practice, I came to the conclusion that if I was ever going to heal my anxiety, I would have to do it myself. And that's exactly what I did, drawing from experiences with psychedelics and holistic healing and combining those modalities with my scientific academic background in medicine, neuroscience, and developmental psychology. Here on the Anxiety Arcs podcast, I offer a distinctly non-traditional and non-medical approach to understanding and healing anxiety. So despite the fact I'm trained as a physician, in no way is what I say and suggest to be construed as medical advice because none of the ways I use to resolve anxiety has anything to do with traditional allopathic medicine. From my own healing, I've created a distinctly non-traditional understanding and approach that helps thousands of people from all over the world understand and relieve their chronic anxiety. So if you're ready, let's get into today's episode. Today's episode is going to be about over-dependence, over-responsibility, people-pleasing, alpha children. There's going to be so much on this. And I've been away for a while. I have been in the UK, as you might tell by my voice. I have a bit of a cold. I'm trying to get over that. So I've been off for about three weeks, and I am ready to get back into it. Sort of. Sort of. I don't want to leave you guys for too long. I want to keep this up. I want to keep putting out podcasts every week if I can. Uh, And this week is about taking care of myself, which is something that I traditionally have not been that great at doing, is taking care of myself. And and leads me into this week's episode because I do think that we anxious people don't look after ourselves very well. I think that self-care piece really isn't there. And I think for many of us, what happened was we learned to look after others before we looked after ourselves. I know that was true with me and, and my dad and my mom because there was so much chaos around the house. I was the oldest child. I kind of felt like I had to settle in there and become uh, over-responsible, which is what I did, which is one of the reasons I became a doctor was because I was over-responsible in the first place. So I think it's important to understand that we anxious people often lose that capacity to look after ourselves because we get so good at looking after other people. We are empaths. I don't really like that word. I've, I've mentioned that before. Um, but I, I guess I'd call myself an empath in a way in that I'm very good at reading other people, but not that great about reading my own needs. And I think what happens is when we're younger, we see the world as a place that's not safe. For whatever reason, for me, it was my dad and his schizophrenia, but we see the world as an unsafe place, and then we adopt this framework that we have to do everything ourselves. Everything is up to us. And Gordon Neufeld, my mentor in developmental psychology, talks about this as this alpha child. And I'm an alpha child, and a lot of people with anxiety are alpha children. And what happens, I believe, to form an alpha child is you don't feel like you're taken care of by your parents or your caregivers, so you unconsciously believe that everything is up to you. We kind of lose faith in the world, that the world is a safe place, that the world is going to look after us. 
and we become this sort of insular, I have to look after myself. And ironically, we don't. We don't look after ourselves. We often try and look after the other people in our lives, our parents specifically. And I think that leads to a tremendous amount of resentment in our relationships, both back then and now. So I'm very good at looking after other people in my life, in my relationships, but not so good at myself. My friends these days are having a hard time and they come to me for help and I'm right in there. You know, I'm right in there giving them advice, helping them feel better or whatever. But I'm, when I went through my really rough time a couple of months ago with my mom declining, she's still not doing all that great, but I'll get into her in a few minutes. Uh, I was really reluctant to ask for help. And in fact, I didn't. I didn't really ask for help. A little bit from Cynthia, from my wife, but not in general. I turtle. I go into my own little world. I, I'm sure I regress. I'm sure the emotional signature in my body is one of regression, moving back into myself, retreating, um, starting to go into Instagram, zombie scrolling Instagram, going off, dissociating, not really looking after myself. Because I was never really shown how to look after myself because I was too busy looking after the chaos in my family. And I think that's what happens to us when in our family of origin, shit's going down in the hood, we kind of take on that, especially if you're one of the older children in the family, we kind of take on that role of, okay, this is up to me, I've got to fix this. And then as you help your parents, they they inflate you. They say, oh, you know, you're, you're so wise for your years. You're an old soul. You're, you're helping us so much. Maybe not directly, but indirectly. You get this feeling like, okay, I have some control in the situation if I start looking after other people. And it becomes a template. It becomes an unconscious template where we start looking after other people to our own detriment. You know, as Dr. Neufeld would say, at what cost? At what cost do we do these things? So it's the cost of our own ability to look after ourselves, I think. And I, I also think that when you get traumatized as a child and it's not, it's not resolved by an attuned caregiver, that we lose faith in the world and we, we also create this place where we're always looking for that magical other that's going to come along and finally take care of us. But even if that happened we probably wouldn't let them take care of us anyway because we get so used to being in that caregiver role. It's one of the reasons I became a doctor was because I would look after other people, often 36-hour shifts, you know, all this kind of stuff that doctors do, and we're trained to do it that way. And I think there's a lot of, <laughs> I think there's a lot of codependent doctors out there, but we won't get into that this time. But if you don't get looked after as a child, I think you sort of take on that role of looking after other people because you kind of get your needs met in a kind of a backhanded way. They throw you some crumbs. Hey, you're doing great. Thanks for looking after me, all that kind of thing. But it's never enough. You know, I find with me, there was this sense of, you know, as I got older and I got more aware of this program, it's like, what about me? Like, what about me? What about my needs? And I, I was so used to doing things in a certain way, i.e. looking after other people, that I had lost my ability to look after myself. And I think that's why these so-called empaths are really good at reading other people, but the price you pay, as Nouvelle would say, at what cost, is that we lose touch with ourselves. We become very externally referred. So we lose our subjective sense of ourselves and our body. 
which is one of the reasons I think we develop this, this great deal of alarm in our body, is we ignore ourselves. We ignore that relationship with ourselves to our detriment. And then in its place, we look after other people. And then we resent them. And then we resent the other people that we look after when we're actually the ones pushing the cart. We're the ones that are saying, look, I'll take care of you. I'll take care of you. I'll take care of you. Because it's a program that we've put into ourselves since we've been very young. But it's not rewarding. It's not fulfilling. Inside of me, there's a child that says, what about me? What about me? And just in the last few years, I've started to, to see, hear, love, and protect that child. And that's one of the reasons I wrote uh, Mind-Body Prescription, your Mind-Body Prescription for Permanent Anxiety Healing, and created that program was because it does connect you with that younger, wounded part of yourself. And it's unconscious. A lot of these programs are unconscious. We don't see them coming. We just act them out. And we wonder why we're getting the same negative reaction all the time when we're helping. I'm helping all these people. Why aren't I feeling better? It's because you're not looking after yourself. And we are very poor at self-care, people with anxiety, typically. Not all, but typically we're not that great at self. Because I don't think we were ever really shown how to look after ourselves. You know, I look at the way that Cynthia looks after, you know, my stepsons, her boys, and it's very nurturing. It's very caring. It's very, when you're older, this is how you make this. This is how you do that. This is how you do laundry. This is how you, you know, drive a car. This is how you do these things. And I think when you grow up in a household that's got a lot of trauma, we don't get those extras. We don't get those abilities to look towards ourselves. Like, what do we need? Because the household is either in this quiet period where things are going to explode, but we don't know when, or we're in the middle of the explosion. So we never really get a chance to relax and see what we need, what our own needs. And this takes me back to my mother. So my mother is in this facility now. She's doing better in general, um, but she wants to see me. Now, I've been back from the UK for about a week now with this cold, and the last thing I want to do is go in and give her this cold. But you know, she's not demented, but she's definitely getting confused at times. So she's calling me and, you know, in tears, like, I want to see you. I want to see you. And on top of everything else, she doesn't hear very well. So I'm trying to explain to her that I have this cold and then I can't, I can't come in with this cold because I don't want to give her that cold and it's an extended care facility. I don't want to give everyone else this cold. And she's getting upset and tearful and like, oh, you know, you're the son that I can rely on and, you know, twisting the knife on me and all that kind of stuff. And it really brought back this program. It's like, you're not looking after yourself. If you go in and see her, you know, you're really not looking after yourself. And it was really hard for me. It's been really hard for me not going in there and seeing her, just explaining to her that I have a cold. And I do not want to give this to her because colds for her just knock her right out, which typically she would understand. She would say, oh, okay, well, I don't want that cold either, so maybe you should stay away. But she's teary, and she's like, oh, I need to see you. I want to hear about your trip. So inside of me, there's this, oh, I have to look after her needs. I have to look after her needs. And I'm getting angry because she'll phone me six times a day saying, where are you? Even though I've explained to her, you know, on each phone call, I can't come in because I have a cold. So this, really, this is why I'm doing this podcast today, and I wrote a, a, a post on Instagram about the ex this exact thing, about being over-responsible, being people-pleasing. And people-pleasing doesn't even touch the surface of it. People-pleasing is such a colloquial 
um, it's, it's such a minimization of what it is because really what it is, is, is taking care of other people. It's not pleasing them so much. It's like taking on their needs internally in me. I take on their needs and I try and fix them, but at the cost to me, it's a cost to me. But because it's such an unconscious program that I've been running for so many years, it's really hard for me to get out of it. Now, especially with my own mother phoning me and crying me and saying, I really want to see you. I really want to see you. It's, it was really difficult for me or has been very difficult for me to kind of say, look, I can't. I can't come in there. But it puts me face to face with this program, which is why I'm doing the podcast today, is because in your life, how are you people pleasing? How are you, how are you negating your own needs to look after someone else? Because when you were a child, you probably got some sort of positive feedback from that, from looking after other people. And again, you know, doctors, nurses, caregivers, a lot of us became this because this was our role in the family. We became caregivers because that was what we were used to. That was a program that got put into us. And this is, again, why we're so good at reading other people and what they need, but not so great at, at reading ourselves. And the relationship you have with yourself is the most important relationship of your life because you can't actually be connected to other people unless you're connected to yourself, which brings me to this whole resentment thing. So I'm resenting my mother for phoning me six times a day, asking me something that I can't do because in my mind I said, I should just sneak in there. I should just go in there, wear a mask, whatever I need to do. And then it's like, no, no. You, you are negating your own needs in this matter. And you're also kind of doing it for her own good in a way. So I've really come face to face with this, this caregiving program, this giving to others at my own detriment in the last couple of days, especially with my mother. So that's why I'm doing this podcast on this particular thing. And it's also known as being an alpha child. Again, this is a, a Gordon Neufeld term, being an alpha child, hating to be told what to do. It's one of the things an alpha child does. Being the leader rather than the follower, another thing that an alpha child does. But the downside of being an alpha child is that you, you don't give yourself the option of being vulnerable. That's the thing about being an alpha child. You can go through the world creating this mask of invincibility or invulnerability, but again, at what cost? At what cost? And it's a, it's a great cost. There's a huge cost to negating yourself. And I think what happens is that we resent ourselves, like that voice in me that says, what about me? What about me? I'm avoiding, like I push that voice away. But it's still in there. It's the child in me asking for my attention. And I'm kind of paying attention to him. I'm paying attention to Rusty and saying, look, okay, we won't go in and see her because it's just going to cause too much of a problem. you know. And it's not good for us to go in and see her right now. It's not good for her either. But it really showed me this program in, in Technicolor that I will drop everything to look after someone else, but I won't do it for myself. And it's the same thing I talk about, like if you're in a grocery store and a child has lost their parents and they come, you know, kind of running up to you with their hands up crying, of course you'd pick them up. Of course you'd soothe them. But for some reason, if that happens within ourselves, we don't do that for ourselves. We'll do it for other people. And this is what I think creates this tremendous amount of resentment and this self-abandonment, because really you are abandoning yourself 
when you give to others all the time. If you're constantly giving to other people, you're really abandoning yourself. Of course, there's altruistic giving, for sure, and I have that as well. But I also have this unconscious programming that I've had in me since I was a child to give, give, give to others and not expect much in return. And within that, I have been very poor at looking after my own emotional needs, which is one of the reasons I became an anxious mess for so long. And one of the reasons I created the MBRX program, one of the reasons I wrote the book is to help others. So it's in me. like, And I have to just really be aware that it's in me, but can I be aware of it? Can I give myself the choice like I have with my mother? Because a year and a half ago, I'd be in there. I, I, you know, I couldn't stand her being in discomfort, so I would ha- I'd be in there regardless of how I felt. I would go in there and, and try and, and soothe her um, at my own detriment. At what cost? You know, at my own detriment, I would do this. Now I'm more aware of it. So can you be aware of this self-sacrificing quality in you? If you're a worrier, if, you're, if you have anxiety, if you have alarm, and it's not in all of us, but it's in most people that I talk to who have anxiety, who are empathic, who are attuned to other people, who put other, ne- other people's needs ahead of their own. And can you be aware of that? And can you give yourself the choice to not help, to find a way of you know, showing them how they can help themselves, showing them a different way, not automatic knee-jerk, they just come to you and you'll fix the problem because nobody wins. You wind up resenting them, because you're abandoning yourself, and you resent yourself because you're abandoning yourself. So the real thing is, can you, can you see when you are giving away your power, when you are not allowing yourself to be vulnerable, not allowing yourself to be taken care of, but you're always taking care of others? Can you give yourself a choice? So that's all I got to say this week. And I hope um, some of you have got my program. I hope it's changing your life as well as the book. I hope that's really helping you as well. And I'm going to try and be consistent now. I was away in the UK. As I said, I was doing Ranjan Chatterjee's podcast over there, which I believe is going to be amazing and probably out um, 21st of June, somewhere around there. So I'm really happy about that. We talked for three and a half hours and it was a brilliant uh, interview. I just loved it. So it's really about you know, understanding yourself and being true to yourself, which we didn't learn as children. We learned to help other people, and that can really screw you up. So give yourself the choice when someone asks you for help, and realize that you're engendering this too. You're, you're also, your role has been so much of a caregiver and so much of a problem fixer for other people. They will come to you. So it will take a bit of a acclimatization period for you to kind of start steering them in a different direction or steering them back into looking after themselves. Because I do believe looking after other people is a way of avoiding our own internal pain. And when we stop looking after other people, we have to face our own pain. But that's the only way to heal it. And that's why I created the MBRX program. That's why I wrote the book, is so that you become more autonomous and more more vulnerable and more able to fulfill your own needs. And when you fulfill your own needs, ironically, your alarm goes down and your anxiety goes down and your need to be this automatic fixer, this automatic people pleaser goes away because you're... You're in right relationship with these other people. 
You're not in this relationship where you're looking after them and you don't resent them and you don't resent yourself for abandoning yourself. I know I keep repeating myself, but it's so important because these programs are so unconscious. And again, that's one of the other reasons I created MBRX with the Yoga Nidra, that stuff, is to get into the unconscious programming that is creating all this unconsciously and automatically so that now you have a choice. You have a choice as to whether or not you look after other people. I have a choice as to whether or not I go in and see my mother, even though I know she's really upset that I haven't seen her yet. I have a choice. And... I have to deal with the discomfort of her discomfort, which is huge. So you'll have to deal with the discomfort of other people's discomfort because your natural inclination is to take their discomfort away. But at what cost? At what cost are you taking away their pain to create more of your own? So I'll talk more about this on Instagram. There's a post on Instagram that's about this. So if you want to respond, send me a DM on Instagram. At the anxiety MD is my, my Instagram handle, and I'll be happy to respond. And hopefully next week I won't have this cold anymore and I'll be back to 100% again. So thanks for listening, and we'll see you next time. So that's it for today's episode. Thanks for listening, and if the Anxiety Rx podcast resonates with you, consider getting my book, also coincidentally called Anxiety Rx. Or you can follow me on any of the social media platforms at The Anxiety MD or my website, www.theanxietymd.com. Thanks so much for listening, and I'll see you the next time on The Anxiety Rx Podcast. <laughs>